You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 277 of Podcateers. This week, Mel and I talk about the new Void experience, dancing like no one is watching, Martin Scorsese breaking the hearts of many MCU fans, plus I give you a brief history of Adventureland. We'd love to hear your thoughts on anything that we talk about in this episode, so join the conversation over on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or on YouTube. Just search for Tears. Remember, if you're on YouTube, we hope that you check out the other content and subscribe. If you do, please hit that bell icon for notifications to tell you whenever we post brand new videos. Teamboat Willie is almost at our goal for Walk for Hope. We have joined the fight against women's cancers and we're trying to raise at least $1,000 to go towards research for a cure and treatments. As of this episode, we've had some very generous donations and we're only $340 away from hitting our goal. On October 17th and 18th, 2019, we will be holding two charity auctions to help raise money towards our cause. We have a Madame Leota Funko Pop that glows in the dark and was exclusive to the parks, and the 50th anniversary Haunted Mansion ears signed by the father of the Doom Buggy himself, Bob Gurr. We will be holding the auctions on Instagram, on the Podcateers Instagram, so please follow us and let any of your friends that are Disney fans, uh, especially those that are into the mansion, know that we're holding these auctions. Uh, All the money that we raise is going to a great cause. If you don't want to deal with all the auction stuff but want to help, please go to TeamBoatWilly.com. It's super easy to remember because it's just like Steamboat Willie but without the S. There you'll find a link to make a donation. If you want to help support Teamboat Willie and represent and you want to make a donation towards this cause, another great way to help is by purchasing some of the Teamboat Willie gear in the Podcateers gear section. For every item sold, shirts, mugs, bags that we have on sale that have a Teamboat Willie logo, we're going to be donating $3 towards our cause. If you have any questions, please hit us up on any of our social networks. We'd be happy to answer any questions. And to everyone that's helping us out, whether you're reposting, whether you're talking about this, tagging people, making a donation, waiting for the auctions, we just want to say thank you for all of your help as we are trying to help the world become a better place. Before this podcast train leaves the station, I want to offer our deepest gratitude to a special group of listeners called the FGP Squad, aka our podcast fairy godparents, because it's their generosity through their monthly contributions via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcasters possible. If you like the podcast, it's a great time to become part of the FGP Squad. If you like more info, a link to sign up, or just want to make a one-time donation, you can go to podcateers.com FGP. To all of the members of the FGP squad, we want to say thank you very much for your continued support. All right, let's get this thing started. Here is episode 277 of Podcateers. And it's in my Mickey freaking out mug, which I think is like the best part. Because nice. I think after the the week 
or two that I've been having. I've been trying to stay as composed as possible. And I don't admit this very often, but man, I think I have way too much stuff to do. And coffee is the choice of drink <laughs> for any situation, <laughs> especially when you have like one or five things on your or list. <laughs> 13 as of today. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Uh, you know, I love helping people out. I have uh, a lot mm -hmm. of projects, of course, that I have in mind for the podcast and you know things that we that i want to do for the fgp squad and these side projects with the side work that i do and everything and oh man uh i mean i i feel like i'm pretty good at managing what i do without absolutely going crazy but man has that been tested this week you you are good you <sighs> are good because um you're kind of like the heart of the podcast and you not just that you're dealing with the website and then the items that are amazing and like you said work and also the you know the vlogs yeah it's a lot yeah. well i when i started editing the the vlog for the event that we went to mm -hmm. i mean i didn't i didn't give up on it i just kind of said this is just not something i can work on right now because editing anybody that edits video to any capacity can vouch for the fact that it's not like a one or two hour thing. Uh, right. I think the people that really have that skill down are possibly the ones that do it on a daily basis because they have a very specific style or the ones that have mm -hmm. just been doing uh, the quick cuts, you know, where they're just kind of jump cutting from one thing to another. And I think early on in the YouTube channel, we tried a few videos like that where we were answering like Disney questions and uh, we were doing challenges and the quick cuts I remember those. worked. I mean, it was just the type of video. And I'm not saying that I'm never going to do a video with jump cuts again. I think that there's a specific time and place to use that style of editing. But I've really been trying hard to add a little more cinematic flow, which I mean... <laughs> I'm no Martin Scorsese, <laughs> but, uh, it, but give yourself you know, credit. <laughs> look, uh, you know, speaking of Martin Scorsese, can I just say real quick, um, uh, who do you think you are, sir? I mean, he's going to answer on Martin freaking Scorsese, right? I get that. Right. But you know, he made some comments earlier this week that I, I found a little confusing. He essentially mm -hmm. said that he doesn't watch Marvel movies, any of the MCU films, that he tried. And I'm paraphrasing, okay, because I'm trying to remember exactly what he said. But he essentially said that he he doesn't watch them because he doesn't consider them films, that he considers them closer to a theme park. Opinions are opinions. Right? That, I mean, <laughs> I was I was a little confused because I feel that a film is an escape from reality that makes yeah. that that harbors specific feelings whether it's fear or anger or happiness i mean i went through all those emotions and more in just endgame right you know? so and not just that but for 10 years we were pretty invested i know i know when you talk about movie story arcs what better story arc is there than a freaking decade-long story arc with Iron Man? I, so, I, don't, know. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I respect Martin Scorsese a lot. I think he's a wonderful director. I, I like a lot of the stuff that he's done. I don't like everything that he's done. Yeah. But 
<sighs> I don't know. I, I'm not a huge movie buff, so... I mean, that's my opinion, obviously. I don't know how it was taken by a lot of, of people that tend to watch a lot more movies than I do. I'm the, mm -hmm. I'm the Redbox guy, right? I'm the Netflix guy. I, I don't tend to go out to very many movies. I'm very selective about the ones that I go out to. But this was just one of those comments that I just thought to myself, come on, dude, really? Come on. Yeah. I don't know. If you guys read that story or heard about it, let us know what you guys thought about it. Do you think Martin Scorsese is right? Or do you feel that, of course, the MCU films are films? That's the camp I fall in. I think they are absolutely films. And I think they are wonderfully done. There's a lot of heart and soul that's poured into those films. And I think some of the messages that obviously resonate about, you know, friendship and about fatherhood and you know, biases that we have in the world today. Right. Black Panther, I mean, was such a powerful film for me that, I mm -hmm. mean, how could you not classify? I, I don't know. I It's mind boggling to me. So, yeah, sound off. Let us know what you guys think. <laughs> We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, th what I, what we were talking about earlier, yeah, it's been a tough week. I've been trying to get through everything. I think I have another week or two of kind of intense stuff going on because uh, I know I've talked about it in the past we have these big events uh, a couple times a year at work that we put on where the entire staff of our departments come together for this huge event and I'm on the committee that helps put that together in the past I've made right. films for it and stuff and little movie things and this time I'm not making a movie, but there's so much work that goes along with putting it on. Uh, aside from that, you know, we're doing the Team Boat Willie stuff. We're getting ready for Walk for Hope. I've been trying yeah. to launch new designs to help with the fundraising for Team Boat Willie. If you guys don't know, all of the Team Boat Willie branded stuff in the Podcateers gear section that is sold between now and October 31st, 2019. We're going to donate $3 of every item sold towards our fundraiser for Walk for Hope. So anybody that's made a purchase already, thank you so very much for that support. We are going to be doing a couple of auctions. Uh, if you saw the original post... It was pointed out to me, thank you, Melissa, that uh, I kind of spazzed out and put the same date for Thursday and Friday because apparently the days just run together for me these days. And so <laughs> uh, if you saw the original post, which uh, I didn't necessarily take down, but I kind of archived it, which is kind of the same as taking it down. Uh, and I put up a brand new post that has the correct dates for those upcoming auctions. On Thursday, October 17th, we're going to be auctioning off the Madame Leota Funko Pop that was exclusive to Disney Parks. It was released as part of the 50th anniversary of the Haunted Mansion. And on October 18th, 2019, this is like possibly my favorite thing that we've almost ever auctioned off because that Tiki Cup was kind of close to it but we're gonna be yeah. auctioning off a pair of the 50th anniversary haunted mansion ears signed by none other than the father of the doom buggy bob Kerr. 
Uh, Come on. <laughs> I know. Come on. Whoever wins this, man, you are one lucky person. I know. I, I love these ears. <laughs> I love the fact that Bob was kind enough to sign them for us. Yes. And the fact that all the money that we make is going towards cancer research because cancer sucks. I think we can all agree on that. Cancer yes, is horrible. Yes, we can. Uh, if we can do what we can to try to rid the world of cancer, that is amazing. And we are trying to do just that. Remember, you can follow Team Boat Willie on Instagram at Team Boat Willie. TeamBoatWillie.com if you want to find a little bit more about what we're doing as part of our charity. And uh, you can also find a link there to either join our team to help us raise money or make a donation towards our Walk for Hope efforts. So again, TeamBoatWillie.com. Super easy to remember because it's like Steamboat Willie, toot toot, but without the S. <laughs> I'm going to make that just the official pitch. I got to add the toot toot. Yeah. Like it's just, it's part of it now. <laughs> So yeah, those are coming up and and of course there's fun stuff that I'm trying to put up in the store as well. I'm trying to be as diverse as possible with our designs. I think for a long time I concentrated on putting together a lot of podcateer stuff and it was fun making stuff that resembled other things. You know, they, they were parodies yeah. of other things. But I think it's about time that we start moving into just other stuff and there's a handful of items on there that I think can stand on its own. Obviously, the Hitchhiking Ghost shirt was one of those designs. Yes. But this one that I was able to kind of put together, I love this design. Oh, my it's, gosh. It's yes. Coco inspired. <laughs> it's called Sugar Skull Celebration. You can head over to podcateers.com slash gear to check that out or our Instagram account. I've posted it there as well. Ah, one of my favorite designs so far. I love where you just inserted the Podcateers logo. Oh, come I was on. Like, that was genius. I couldn't <laughs> not do it. I mean, if, if it's going to have papel picado somewhere in right. that design. And in blue. I was like. It's got to have the logo. Yes. It's got to have the logo. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that's Check it out. Let me know what you guys think. And if you guys enjoy it enough, we'd love it if you picked up, you know, a shirt of your own and helped us represent when you're out in the parks. Um, let's see. What else? Oh, the void. The void. Yes. Oh my god, the void has a <laughs> brand new experience. I think I've had too much coffee, but that's okay cuz I need it. <laughs> the void is putting out a brand new experience and it's themed after Marvel characters. Avengers Damage Control is the latest experience that's going to become available. Actually, I think you can start buying tickets now, and it's pretty much um, available in most Void locations. Uh, I pulled the description for this because uh, originally I wanted to read it in that movie guy voice, like, in a world. But, <laughs> I, I mean, I think I'm just going to read it because I'm just, like, super excited about this one. So the description and the plot are as follows. Shuri has recruited your team to test a powerful new prototype design combining Wakandan and Stark technologies. When an enemy from the past seeks to steal the technology, you'll fight alongside some of your favorite Avengers like Doctor Strange, Wasp, Ant-Man, and more to stop the attack before they unleash an oppressive new age upon the world. Assemble along Earth's mightiest heroes in Avengers Damage Control, an all-new virtual reality adventure from Marvel Studios and ILM X Lab. Excelsior! I mean, I added that, but it felt like it needed it. <laughs> yeah. 
So when are we buying our tickets? Because um, I think this is the one that we need to do. Yeah. We would yeah. geek out and play at the same time. I know. So the other Void experiences, <laughs> I've, you know, I've always wanted to do them. I've, I've seen right. them. I've seen people talk about them. I've seen the previews. But this is, like you said, this is, I think, the one where we finally just have to be like, nope, yep, that's, this is it. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. We're going in. <laughs> we are going in. And it, I love how they incorporated the the look of the Black Panther suit with the nanotech yeah. Iron Man suit. And it just looks so good. That's okay. Like, we got to do this. At first, <laughs> I looked at it and I thought, is that rescue? Because I thought it was like Pepper's uh you know, Iron Man suit. Mm-hmm. And then as they pull out and they kind of show you the trailer, I'm like, oh, it's not. And so I kind of realized what was happening and I saw the trailer and I got super excited. And yes, this is one that we definitely have to do. So I just realized something. What's that? The characters that are in this experience, we're getting them in DCA. Yep. That's an awesome tie-in. Yeah, yeah. And it would, oh. it would be, <laughs> I don't know. There's a part of me that hopes that it doesn't tie into what's happening at DCA, that it's kind of like its own adventure. But if it does, I wouldn't be angry at it. Like, it's so close to it that I kind of get it. If you somehow end up in Avengers Campus or whatever, then I'm fine with it. You know, we've seen it done with Star Tours and we've seen it done with, you know, um, the Millennium Falcon attraction, Smuggler's Run. So it's fine. I'm totally okay with it. But if they make it like its own thing... I'll be super happy with that as well. Yeah. So I just Dang. I just want to throw that out there. So we're probably going to have to take Gavin kicking and screaming because he's like, oh, it's a comic book thing. I don't want to go. Wah, wah. Right. But I think I think that's an accurate depiction of what Gavin sounds like when he want when we ask him to do something he doesn't want to do. I know you're listening, Gavin. I'm just kidding, buddy. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I mean, I would love to do this. Uh, hopefully we can get in on it soon. I don't know what else to say. I'm just so happy that this right? is Right, I haven't been this excited over the void. Yes, I was when it first opened, but this is like I I I want to do this. Like yeah. this is cool. Yeah. I'm I'm so for this right now. So, uh we will have to find possibly a fourth person to come with us to do it. Um it it sucks that you know, you can't expand it to to five or to just the yeah. three in the group if it's if it was just us three doing it. But uh, somehow we'll figure it out. We'll find another person. And if it just happens to be somebody that we meet that day, you know, then, OK, so be it. Maybe one of our our fairy godparents wants to join us and yeah. do the experience with us. I don't know. We we'll, get we'll, with us. We'll try to set that up. I, I just I want to do this so badly now. Right. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll put the details in the blog post for the episode, podcasters.com slash 277. If you want to check that out, we'll put a link to buy tickets and the available dates. Hopefully we're not too late because that's happened to me in the past as well, where I want to do something and it's like, oh no, D23 Don't all jinx over. us. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, Talking about the parks, you know how we were doing this um, feel-good stories? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't know this, but Disney Parks blog has a feel-good Friday. Oh, they do? Yeah. And this past weekend, or I call it the weekend because, you know, hey, we're close to the weekend when it's Friday. I mean, I do. I'll vouch for it. it I'll (laughs) co-sign on that one, yeah. Um, There's a 
video that went viral and at first I didn't know what was happening. I just saw this little girl who's dressed as Tiana. She's just dancing. But the story behind it is that this little girl, Sydney Russell, was there for her birthday. You know, went to um, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. And when I saw another video of her, this little girl, you need to see her moves, her dance moves. It is adorable. And I honestly thought that she was trained. Really? Yes. She's, oh, th- also, I should have said, this is Walt Disney World. So she's on Main Street. There's the band right there performing. She goes out in front of them and she's just dancing her little heart out. The most adorable thing. I mean, like I said, you have to see her dance moves because they're so good for an eight-year-old. Nice. I'm like, good for you, girl. I'm so happy (laughs) that this video just went viral like really, really fast. That's awesome. You know, I like seeing like kids perform sometimes, whether it's singing or dancing or whatever they do. And like I like watching my kids do it, too, because... Like they don't have the sense of like who's watching me do this. Right. They're just so carefree and it's an honest thing that they're doing from the bottom of their heart and it just you can tell how much fun they're having when they're doing this. And I, I mean, I think we have fun when we do stuff like that too, but there's always that thing in the back of our head like who do we look stupid to right now? Right? Right. So And she's just like having a ball and nobody's around her. That's awesome. So so she's by herself. And I'm like, you go, girl. This is adorable. I'm going to have to find the video itself. But it is so good. And after you watch it, you're like, man, it just made you feel really good. So kudos, Disney, on getting that and sharing the story. That's so cool. Well, uh, I'll let you send me the link for that. And then I'll put it in the blog post for the episode. So go check it out. Podcasters.com slash 277. I can't wait to watch this. It sounds like it was really, really good. So, yeah, those are the types of stories that just make you feel good. They help you get through your week. And uh, I don't know if you ever watched Stephen Colbert, but they have those segments that they do in between what they're doing. And one of them is called Meanwhile. And I kind of feel like this is one of those things, right? Where it's like, meanwhile, back at Walt Disney World, somebody was dancing like they were just actually happy. Yeah. So it's just <laughs> one of those things. So, yay. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know what? Since we're talking about Walt Disney World, I wanted to briefly mention something. Uh, mm-hmm. Because there's not... I haven't read a lot more info other than the stuff that's floating around out there. But... Did you see that there was uh, a bit of an accident with the gondola system? Yeah. So I'm a little confused exactly about what happened because from what I gathered, the accident happened at the Riviera Station, which as far as I know is not even open yet. So uh, are the gondolas actually going through there and just not stopping there? You know what? That I don't know. I actually don't even know as of this episode. Um, I don't know what the operation is right now, what it's what's happening. But from what I've kind of heard and read a little bit here and there, thankfully, there weren't any major injuries, which is awesome. Yeah, 
that, that was that's like the number one thing is safety. Yeah. Um, so quick kudos to all of the cast members and the first responders that went out there and did their thing. Yeah. I I think the one of the complaints was that people were talking about how long it was taking to bring people down from the cars, but you know this thing has been open for a week. Yeah. You know, and I think Disney went through a lot of extensive testing. I think they did a lot of what they could to test for different scenarios. But it, it is a mechanical thing, and you can't always test for everything. You try to right. test for as much as possible, and you get as close to being as perfect as you can be. But, you know, things happen. That's just the yeah. world that we live in. So I think the fact that it wasn't worse is amazing. Again, kudos to all the CMs and the first responders that were out there helping everybody. I don't think we're going to necessarily know from Disney what happened? Uh, right. They may release some kind of press release or something talking about it later. I think as of now, they've tracked it up to some kind of mechanical failure or unexpected closure or something. Uh, it was really vague. But uh, eventually, they'll find out what exactly caused it. They'll reopen it and try to put security measures in place so that something like that doesn't happen again. Because right. it was weird to see that some of the gondolas were kind of stacked up on top of each other. And, you know, people were reporting glass. And I think that was one of the windows, you know, that flips open uh, at mm -hmm. the top for the airflow to to come through. But again, you can't test for everything. I think they tested as much as they could. Uh, I'm glad that everyone is OK. And I know that coming out of this, they're they're going to put other security measures in place. And I'm sure that they learned a lot from this so that. If this were to happen again, they have a better way of responding to people that are stuck, a better way of evacuating and all that stuff. So, oh, yeah, yeah, it, it was just a, a strange story to read because I think it's one of those stories that a lot of people will latch on to and be like, yeah, Disney this and Disney that. You know, yeah. it's, look, it, it happens everywhere. We just don't hear about it. I think this just gained a lot more steam because it was at Walt Disney World, you know. But the systems that are being used for these gondolas are being used around the world for for transportation in many cities, you know, short and long distance. So they're they're safe. I, is it something that everybody wants to ride? Probably not, especially if you're afraid of heights. You know, right. and is this going to put people off? I think for a little bit. I think once they start going into circulation again and they start moving, people might be a little apprehensive to get on them. But once people see that, you know, a lot more, you know, people have, have gone through them, that they go a few months without, you know, any other incidents or, you know, when, whatever it is, I think people will feel more comfortable with it. You yeah. know, it, it's just one of those things that it sticks in your head and you're just kind of paranoid about it for a while. Right. Which is, you know, understanding. It's, yeah. It's just it's just something with life. It's a psychological thing at that point. And some people are better at it. You know, I I, I know people that have been in minor car accidents that just don't ever want to drive again. You know, they just yeah. they're just too scared to do it. And some of them are able to do it after a few months. So, you know, it's it's a you thing. You got to do what you're comfortable with. And eventually when you're comfortable, you'll write it. You know, and I think that's yeah. uh, on an individual basis. But yeah, hopefully they can figure out exactly what went wrong. 
and uh, they can fix that and correct it as soon as possible because I know that they were relying on this system to really get people back and forth, you know, through the different resorts and stuff. So, yeah, hopefully that gets corrected sooner than later. Oh, you know what? Uh, I, I wanted to actually uh, put out a really happy story. I know we've talked about a few happy things and we've talked about some things that make us happy, but I just want to send a quick shout out to our friends Liam and Brittany from Hilt Radio because uh, over the weekend they welcomed their brand new daughter into the Aww. world. So congratulations, Liam and Brittany, on your growing family. Uh, she's adorable. I mean, but then again, I feel like all babies are kind of adorable until <laughs> they start talking back and then you're like, ooh, you all dirt. Oh, congrats but, to them. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, make sure that you guys, if you're not following Hilt Radio, you know, follow them. Uh, we'll leave a link in the blog post for the episode, podcasters.com slash 277. And make sure to give them a quick shout out. Tell them congratulations. And, and uh, yeah, so, so good. I love when families grow and they're happy and they're very happy. Oh, that's awesome. They're like, we welcomed another Disney fan into the world. <laughs> All right. Um, before we jump into our main topic for this episode, I did want to remind you that this episode of Podcasters is brought to you by a wonderful group of folks called the FGP Squad. The FGP Squad helps us out monthly with contributions via Patreon. If you want a little bit more information how you can become part of the FGP Squad, you can go to podcasters.com slash FGP for a list of our current FGP members and a link to sign up. You can either sign up for a one-time donation or a monthly donation. Uh, we've been trying to do uh, more stuff for the FGP Squad as a thank you for all their contributions. You know, we've done a live stream and we're aiming to do more. <laughs> we've done some giveaways oh by the way we're going to be choosing the giveaway winner for the new mug that we just nice. put out a couple weeks ago so that i really want to do it in a live stream though like we did the last one so we got to plan that out so fgp squad make sure that you're reading the comments on patreon anybody that's on there i know uh for a couple months we've posted some of the pictures that i post on my personal instagram and i've just released versions that are suitable for uh like screensavers and backgrounds on computers uh if there's any one that i've posted in particular that you're interested in having leave a comment on patreon and i will post a copy of it for you to use for that and yeah, so uh, again, thank you so much to all of the members of the FGP squad. You know, we truly thank you for your continued support. And yeah, I think we're we're ready to jump into our topic for this episode. We are. What do you think? I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited too. It was really nice to be able to get a chance to kind of revisit some of the history of the attractions and and the land uh, in case you don't know and haven't figured it out from the title card of this episode, we're talking Adventureland Yay! this time <laughs> around. So, um, yeah, yeah, let's get into this. Let's get into this. Uh, I wish I had some, like, cool jungle theme or, like, little, like, some drums or, like, some monkeys or something in the background. So <laughs> pretend you heard all that right now. <laughs> So Adventureland is one of the five original theme lands from the opening of Disneyland. Uh, the land itself is meant to give you a sense of being in the remote jungles of Asia, Africa, South America, and the South Pacific. 
Although there have been a handful of changes over the years, the essence of the land is pretty much still the same. You enter through a tropical outpost, but as you get further into the land, you have a more exotic and jungle feel. Walt wanted the area to be based on his True Life Adventures documentary series that we talked about back in episode 270. And in the early concepts of Disneyland, Adventureland actually appeared on the eastern side of the park, just south of Tomorrowland. The layout was much smaller though, and the main attraction, Rivers of Adventure, had a much smaller footprint. The idea behind the land was simple. Walt wanted people to feel like they were experiencing the television documentaries that his team was producing in real life. So let's take a quick trip through the land and talk about some of the attractions and the changes that have helped shape this land since it opened. So one of Walt's big ideas for Adventureland was to have real animals from Africa to inhabit a jungle river, kind of similar to how they roam around at Animal Kingdom at Walt Disney World today. But when discussing habitats with zoologists, they told Walt that real animals would probably just lie around all day or hide, which makes a lot of sense i mean most lions don't trust you until the second or third time that you've given them a tasty churro and a dole whip to wash it down with and after that it's all good (laughs) they come out and play they sing songs with a meerkat and a warthog i mean that's how that's how it goes down right yeah that's that's what i grew up with right right Uh uh-huh wrong (laughs) here's a quick fun fact for you adventureland is the only land that you won't find a popcorn or churro cart because Walt felt that it would take you out of the experience since those smells don't belong in the jungle. You stop. Right? I did not. Isn't that cool? Okay, that's embarrassing. I mean, look. That's embarrassing for me to not realize that. It's it's sad if you'd want a churro or some popcorn, right? But that attention to detail? (sighs) Wow. Come on. (laughs) I don't. Come on, props, bro. Yeah, that's awesome. Anyhow, uh, since he couldn't have real animals, Walt opted for the next best thing. He had his Imagineers create them. So Walt's team of mechanical artists went on to create hippos and lions and elephants, alligators. Oh my, that doesn't go. No. I really (laughs) wanted it to, but it just doesn't go. And more! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I really wanted that to work and it just did it. <laughs> he tried. Uh, but they, when they were building Adventureland, there was one thing that just had to remain. And it was a very, very special request. That special thing was a palm tree that belonged to the family that Walt bought the land from when he was building Disneyland. The Dominguez tree is a Canary Islands date palm that was a wedding gift for Pablo Dominguez Jr. and his bride and was planted back in 1896. That's an old tree. That's awesome. That is an old tree. When the property was sold to Walt, the Dominguez family requested that the one tree be spared that palm tree because it was just so special to their family and Walt was such a romantic that he agreed to it and to this day you can still see the palm tree in Adventureland 
towering over many of the other trees and buildings. It's kind of off to the right of the entrance of Jungle Cruise to the left of Indiana Jones. So if you want to go check it out, it's literally the only palm tree that's there. So go check it out. Super cool to see it, especially now that you know the history behind it. As planning and construction for Disneyland continued, Adventureland was relocated to the area where it is today and was slated to be an opening day land with its Rivers of Adventure boat ride, now known as the Jungle Cruise, as its main attraction. The vessels for your journey were designed by Harper Goff and were inspired by the tramp steamer style boats from the film The African Queen. You know what? Since we're talking about uh, inspiration from films, mm-hmm. you know the scene where where the pride of lions is admiring the sleeping zebra? Uh-huh. That scene was directly inspired from Disney's own true life adventure film, The African Lion from 1955. I know. I, if I, Gavin I, didn't I, know that right now, he'd make the same face right? that you just made if, right now. I know. If only you guys could see my face. Like I know. <laughs> I know. He Walt took inspiration from That's everything. Awesome. Just from everything. I love it. Um so the landscaping around the Jungle Cruise was designed by Bill Evans. Imagine having the task of creating a convincing jungle in the middle of the suburbs. Well, if anybody can do it, Bill could. Okay, because mm-hmm. he was in charge of landscaping the entire park. And what landscaping it was. Using all sorts of planting trickery, Bill created a very convincing jungle landscape. And alongside the animatronic animals, the five-foot-deep trench used for the river with controlled turbidity, which is just a fancy way of saying, we dyed the water brown so you can't see through it. Your trip through a jungle was born. Later... One of my favorite Imagineers and artists, Mark Davis, came in and added his own style of humor to the attraction. Gags like the elephant bathing pool and the explorers on the pole trying to run away from the rhino were just a couple of the elements that, brought, that Mark brought to the attraction. Your skipper, of course, was a Disneyland cast member. But when the attraction first opened, there wasn't a humorous semi-ad-lib script purposely filled with bad puns like we have today. The skippers mainly recited jungle and animal facts similar to what it sounded like if you were watching a documentary. I'm assuming after a few years of that, people were like, this ride is boring. And then mm-hmm. some skipper was like, whoa, well, you might be in denial. And they were like, oh, my God, that's hilarious. And then and after that, they just started. added it, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's how it went down. If you ask me and I'm writing history, that's how it went down. So, yay. throughout the years animals were added repositioned boats were replaced and so on but really one of the coolest things to happen to the jungle cruise since its opening is the fact that disney's man-made jungle was bestowed the honor of being a real-life jungle complete with its own ecosystem in 2010 i mean how i remember that that right to yeah. go from creating this artificial thing that just became its own tiny planet, that's, that, that's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> I love it. I mean, with the exception of kind of pruning the the trees and the plants so that they don't interfere with the animatronics, mm-hmm. the horticulture specialists at Disneyland mainly leave the attraction alone because it kind of takes care of itself. 
And right. I just think that's, oh, and of course the blue water, the bluish green water, because it's no longer brown, it's bluish green. So what, whatever. But I mean, that's awesome. It is. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Who, gosh, man, this is, the, that's the one question you would want to ask Walt. Did you ever think this would happen? And what he would have thought, like. I'm sure, I'm sure Walt being Walt, I would think he would say something like, yes, I did. <laughs> right as he dusts off who his knows? shoulders <laughs> who knows i know right <laughs> uh let's see uh in 1956 a new area was built that kind of threw off the aesthetic of adventureland that area was magnolia park Magnolia Park was built when Walt decided that he didn't want to lose something that was originally meant for Main Street. You see, there was this plan to have a small bandstand right where the flagpole is today in Town Square. But Walt felt that it ruined the line of sight to the castle when looking down Main Street. So the bandstand was moved next to the castle. This was fairly short-lived, though, because Walt wanted more dancing space. So the small structure was moved to Adventureland and Magnolia Park was created. But even Magnolia Park didn't last very long because in 1961, the first major expansion of Adventureland had begun. The original two-story boathouse from the Jungle Cruise was removed, the open water between the rivers of America and the Jungle Cruise was filled in, Magnolia Park was closed, the bandstand was removed and donated to the city of Anaheim, all to make room for more Jungle Cruisy goodness. And then in 1962, as part of all of that shifting around, we also got the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. Yay! The sea ticket attraction stood at 70 feet tall and 80 feet wide, giving guests a glimpse of the Robinsons' living quarters. That year also saw the opening of the Big Game Safari Shooting Gallery, which was just across from the Jungle Cruise. The entrance to, to it, I, I believe, was the South Seas Trading Company sign that you kind of see right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but since then, it's all kind of been removed, just like the Indiana Jones Outpost, and it's now air-conditioned seating area for the Bengal Barbecue as part of Project Stardust. Uh, but I believe that's where the entrance was. Nice. Uh, also that year, we said goodbye to the Tropical Cantina, a place where you can get tropical libations and, of course, a Coke if you wanted one. I mean, eh. it's not tropical, but, you know. Add a twist of line. Boom! Tropical. <laughs> <laughs> By the late 1950s, the post-war post America was doing everything that they could to gain back some everyday normalcy. For those close enough or willing to make the drive, Disneyland was one of those places that helped bring back some normalcy and fun back into people's lives. During this time, many young men had returned from the exotic islands in which they were stationed during the Second World War, and with them came a love for exotic adventure and culture which found its place in American culture as the post-war tiki craze. Walt was very aware of the tiki culture, and although many considered this craze kitschy, it provided a tropical outlet of entertainment that was perfect for the escapism that Adventureland was trying to create. So in the summer of 1963, the groundbreaking technology that would forever change the face of the theme park industry was brought to Adventureland, as attending guests experienced the first ever audio-animatronic show in the form of singing birds at Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. 
Although the original concept of the Tiki Room was to make it a restaurant, the singing birds took up residence in the Polynesian hut-styled structure, and next door was a place for food and more entertainment, called the Tahitian Terrace. This Polynesian-themed restaurant served traditional Hawaiian dishes and offered a show with native dancers. Due to the success of the Frontier Shooting, oh, sorry, Shootin' Exposition, there's no G, it's an apostrophe, gotta say it right, of the <laughs> Frontierland Shootin' Exposition, the Big Game Safari Shooting Gallery closed in 1982 to make room for merchandise, and just over a decade later, the Tahitian Terrace closed in 1993 to make room for a whole new world of show in the form of a new show and restaurant called Aladdin's Oasis, accompanied by Aladdin's Oasis Dinner Show. 1995, however, brought one of the biggest and most exciting changes to the land when Imagineering brought in the very first motion vehicle attraction themed after one of the most popular explorers in pop culture in the form of Indiana Jones Adventure, Temple of the Forbidden Eye. Yay! The setting <laughs> of this attraction was perfect. The attraction was set in 1935 India, documenting how to get to this Bengalese temple as we learn through the series of letters and telegrams that are scattered throughout the amazingly built queue. The temple deity Mara will offer you one of three gifts as long as you don't look directly into her eyes. But I know you're probably asking yourself, how do we as guests fit into the story? Simple. During the expedition, Dr. Jones's funding runs out and Sala begins conducting tours to help raise money. If he was smart, he probably kept a little bit for himself on the side. I don't know what he did with the money. Maybe he gave it all to Dr. Jones. I don't know. But look, he doesn't collect that money now. We all have APs. So I wonder if he's getting a cut of that sweet, sweet AP money. Hmm. <laughs> That's a good question. We should go ask. <laughs> we should ask him. Hmm. Anyway, there's a lot of references to the films and many hidden items throughout the queue and the attraction. And one of the best features of the temple that still remains are the petroglyphs created for the attraction. The Marabic writings on the temple walls warn visitors about the dangers that await. It, it warned visitors about the dangers that await as you enter the temple and also serve the purpose of promoting AT&T since they originally sponsored the attraction. <laughs> So, yep. you know, when you're stuck in the temple, use your AT&T phone to call someone. I mean. Phone a friend. Yeah. I mean, there was pay phones <laughs> in there, right? Ish? Right. I don't know. Somewhere. Yeah, somewhere in there. The whole thing is an exciting adventure with thrills, suspense, and snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? I mean, <laughs> That was you know, good. <laughs> you know. Fun fact about this attraction, by the way. The what? vehicle and tracks are the same one used at Dinosaur at Animal Kingdom. Yeah, I yes. didn't know that, and, and I just thought that was super cool. It's actually really slow, but if you close your eyes and just imagine, like you're crawling, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't help. That's not an adventure. That's a stroll through a park. It will. <laughs> it's a stroll through a park. There you go. <laughs> Uh, Aladdin's Oasis Dinner Show closed in 1997, and a couple years later, the next big IP tie-in was for the movie Tarzan, when in 1999, the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse was closed down, re-inhabited, and was now known as Tarzan's Treehouse. Uh, 
There are some magical experiences that are a part of the attraction, including some maybe not so magical liquid receptacles that might look familiar to you, and a gramophone softly playing the Swiss Capoca as a nice homage. It is. It totally is. Aladdin's Oasis remained open until 2008 and was pretty much wasted space for yeah. a really long time until 2018 when we were invited to a tropical hideaway us lucky people <laughs> you us us you know what i'm talking about <laughs> where we finally learned what happened to rosita right <laughs> i mean for all those years nobody knew where rosita was every every day they asked over and over and over <laughs> and then finally in 2018 there she is i mean I want to know what she's been doing for all those years. Decades. <laughs> right? Somebody should just go ask her. They should have like a Rosita story time. Ooh, I should save that for armchair Imagineering. I was going to say that's don't a good say one. Anything. I call that one. If we do armchair Imagineering <laughs> for this land, I'm saying that one again. I'm just saying that now. I okay, like that I didn't idea. hear anything. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we skipped over, but in 2015... D23 made us aware of a tale told back in 1955 through uh, the tale as old as time known as Little Golden Books of Patrick Begora, the little mm -hmm. man of Disneyland. And they made us aware that you can see a tiny little door and a tiny little house in a tree in Adventureland. And if you go right next to the Indiana Jones adventure and you kind of look at the trees, you'll see the tiny little house which belongs to the leprechaun of Disneyland. And I just thought that was so cute that they were able to incorporate that children's book into the, you know, the story of Adventureland. Yeah. So. It's an adorable little thing. Yeah. I like it. And that's it. I mean, that's kind of our tour of Adventureland uh, as it stands today. Uh, obviously, there's been a couple of other changes. We've talked about Project Stardust in the past where, you know, some of the planters were removed. We talk about how, you know, that seating area was created right next to the Bengal Barbecue. Obviously, some of the restrictions where you enter Adventureland were removed and the new sign was installed. So overall, Adventureland has kind of remained pretty much the same as it was from when it was first built back when the park opened. But even though it's one of the smallest lands in Disneyland, it's one of the most fun-filled. Oh, yeah. So much is packed into that little footprint. I mean, obviously, they kind of do work their way, their magic and their way around. Like in Indiana Jones, uh, as you're entering the queue, there's a portion of the queue where you you feel like you're going downhill and mm -hmm. then you feel like you're going uphill. That down and up is because you're going underneath the train tracks, you know, to get to your net, your destination to board right. the attraction. So obviously, there's a lot of wizardry and magic. It's witches. For those of you that have seen Spider-Man Homecoming, that's become my favorite line of the entire thing. Oh, no, the witches are back. So, yeah, I mean, the land itself, super cool. It's a great place to hang out. The ambiance is amazing. If you don't veer too close to New Orleans Square, you really do feel that you're just in this jungle environment. Or if you don't go too close to Jolly Holiday, obviously, uh, if you're waiting for a Dole Whip, if you're waiting for the Tiki Room, some of that magic can be lost because it is, it isn't as secluded as it is in the, in the main, in the heart of Adventureland. But it's a great little land. 
I love it. it. I'm I'm happy that I had the opportunity to research it and read a little bit more and just kind of add, you know, to my knowledge base of stuff in that area. And I I have such an admiration for this little land. I mean, there's just so much. Honestly, my imagination goes wild because there's just there's just so many stories. There's so many different ways you can have an adventure in that little area. And I don't want to offend anybody, but um, this is just my personal opinion. I just love Disneyland's. How would you say this? The entrance to our Adventureland because we have the Tiki Room right immediately to our left. Mm -hmm. It, It just right there. It just starts everything for me. Nice. And in Walt Disney World, you don't have it there. You just have greenery, but you have to go a little bit further in. And for me, it's like I have to walk a little bit further in, and then I, I start feeling the adventure. Yeah. But I get it immediately here. And it's a really it's a really beautiful transition, too, because when you think about how the Tiki Room and Jolly Holiday technically share a building... Yeah. You know, the way that it's split and the theming between that wall that separates them is almost seamless. Right. It's done so beautifully that you don't even notice the transition. And it's like a foot away from each other. Mm hmm. You know, so that's a testament to Imagineering and the wonderful work that they the wonderful work that they do when they theme these lands. And not even just outside going into the stores. The stores themselves, oh my gosh, they just, okay, I should have said, I should have said this first. Yeah, I am biased because I really love this land, but there's just so much to see and it doesn't get old. Yeah, I know. So you say you're biased to the land? I mean, is there any particular reason why you're so biased to the land? Uh, I, I kind of pay homage <laughs> to the, the deity on my arm. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen, uh, I, I know she's posted it on Instagram or on, you know, her stories, especially right after you first got it, you were just like flipping out. Oh yeah. Um, but on, on her arm, uh, Melissa has Mara. <laughs> I love it. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like that, that's my, my adventure right there. Like. It just never gets old. So, yeah. <sighs> oh, you know Man. what? It was in the D23 video we posted. Yes. I remember. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, our friend Andrew is it just an amazing Sala <laughs> yeah. uh, lookalike. He's like Sala's doppelganger. And he usually dresses up as Sala to go to things like D23 and stuff like that. And he was there on on Sunday, I think, is when, when we had a chance to see him. Mm-hmm. And no, it wasn't. Was it Sunday? When did no, you? No, 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 no. Friday. It was Friday. Friday. Yes, it was Friday because that's when you were dressed as Madame Mim. And right. so we, we shot a video. <laughs> it was so cheesy now that I think about it. <laughs> it we fun. zoom into your arm and we make Mara's eyes glow. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the imagination part. That's uh, the best part. Like, I was possibly half asleep when I did that. Eh. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it for Adventureland. Uh, we'd like to hear what your favorite parts of Adventureland are. I know that we all in general have different lands and areas and attractions that we like, but I think we can all share at least one thing that we truly enjoy about Adventureland. So join the conversation over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or even on the blog post for this episode at podcasters.com slash 277. 
We'd love to hear what your favorite part, attraction, food, or whatever about Adventureland is. Maybe it's a story about your favorite skipper, or maybe it's a, a story about your favorite, I don't know, Aladdin. I don't know. Or Who knows? maybe the fact that we could get tahine over there. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's not a lot of places where you can, but Adventureland is one of them. Why? Yeah. Because it's exotic. It <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I think uh, that's a good way to end it. So, uh, again, remember, we are going to be auctioning off some stuff for cancer research because cancer sucks. Teamboatwilly.com is where you can get information on our team. Sign up for our team for Walk for Hope. You can also make a donation on Instagram, on the Podcateers Instagram, not the Teamboat Willy one. Remember, we're going to be doing it on the Podcateers Instagram. We're going to be doing those auctions coming up in, in just over a week from this episode and all the proceeds from those auctions will go to cancer research uh all the t-shirts that you purchase or any product that has some kind of team boat willy uh semblance on podcateers.com slash gear every item that we sell we will donate three dollars towards our mission to raise a thousand dollars in support of fighting women's cancers we're pretty close to hitting that thousand i think as yeah. of this episode we're over 600 650 660 or something like that yeah which you guys have been doing amazing raising money and again teamboatwilly.com if you guys want to make a donation um let's see what else i think that's it I think that's it that that's everything yeah and uh until next time keep dreaming keep moving forward and always remember to pass on the magic have a great week everyone bye look and look <laughs> that sounded like evan right <laughs> yeah just a little bit <laughs>